Welcome to the CC Projects Podcast. And today my guest is Bjarne Sigeborgensen. Bjarne received his bachelor's and master's of fine art at San Francisco Institute of the Art. After completing his degrees, he returned to Reykjavik to fine art to continue his practice in fine art. During that time, Bjarne received a two-year stipend from the Icelandic government for a large site-specific land commission that combined painting and sculpture. In 2003, he took part in Los Angeles International Biennial and the following year participated in Pilsen International Biennial of Drawing. Over the past 25 years, Bjarne has had numerous gallery and museum exhibitions in the United States and Europe. And today we are speaking to him at his studio in Iceland. Bjarne, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Victoria. Good to see you again. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for coming back. This is our second episode together. And okay. I'm following um, your, your progress, your studio um, practice with the series that you've been working on that's related to the heart. And um, I'm really, really enjoying seeing the images on social media of, of what you're doing. And I'm, I'm really keen to to understand more what you've learned um, from the different interviews you've had with different professionals um, related to the heart. So thank you for having me back. Okay, thank you. Victoria. <laughs> um, one of the things that I wanted to begin with um, before we get into your, your practice, your studio practice of making these, these large paintings is in an essay that you wrote um, some years ago, you you note you mentioned Merleau Ponty, and you said it's not the mind that paints; it is the body. And um, you continued to to kind of examine the works of de Kooning, and in particular the foreground and the background, and how they morph into a field of flesh. And I'm just um, curious to know if this journey that you're on with these paintings um, are, are, are going along that road. Yes, they are. And I'm, in a way, I'm kind of cutting off the flesh. And I always thought about, well, to start with, when you, just when you put a, a mark on a surface, I think of it in a way that you are actually cutting off a uh, uh, space or cutting into a space through a skin that is the surface. Even though you are putting a gesture onto it, you're in a way cutting off a field that is locked and opening it up. Uh, what has always interested me is that in every gesture, in every movement, in relation to the background, there, there is a me there, you have a meaning just within the gesture, just in the movement of the body. You don't need to have another meaning on top of that. The meaning lies within that gesture. And I'm, I'm and in Marlo Ponti's uh, philosophy, if I, I read a little bit one sentence here that I really like and I very often quote from the phenomenology of perception. Mm -hmm where he says that movement is not thought about movement and bodily space is not space thought or represented. Each voluntary movement 
takes place in a setting against the background, which is determined by the movement itself. So I think that kind of relates to actually a lot of paintings because when you put some something onto a surface, you are dividing it and you have shapes coming from that gesture that you are putting on. So for me, and also that movement itself is, is in a way thinking. You are, not, you are not separating thinking and acting, you're acting upon your thinking or, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. and thinking about your movement. So in, in, in my process, it has to do with, uh, usually it was like about one, uh, putting a gesture onto a canvas, which is a bodily movement, and then act upon that with the next movement and so forth. But the other part that I, is very important in my work is uh, now I'm the word that I'm I was going to use. Uh, what was it? So I have have the right words. I'm sorry about the. No, it's the, fine. It's fine. I think it was like continuation or continuing. Yeah, contingency, contingency, okay. or, or unpredictability, or, or mm -hmm. yeah. Because I, uh, I'm, I, when I'm in a certain state of the painting, uh, which is my physical movement onto the surface, I take it to the floor and uh, I use two elements, water and oil, mm -hmm. uh, or turpentine or, or solvent. And I pour that on in a certain way, so it creates unpredictable, unpredictable pattern. So. Mm -hmm. The material itself is drawing itself onto the surface and creating some patterns. And then I take it up again and I start to work out from that onto mm -hmm. that again. Mm -hmm. And sometimes back and forth this way. Mm -hmm. So it has to do with me being somebody in a voluntary movement, somebody who does something intentionally and then something that happens, which I'm slightly in control of, but not just, have, or have a very little control of. And it's the, the surprising element of what happens in conjunction with what I'm doing, which interests me and makes it very open and creative process in the paintings. Mm -hmm. Well, Okay, so I've been seeing images of you painting on the floor, like you said, walking on the painting, uh, moving it around, and you're very much a part of the painting. Mm -hmm. And I can see when you mention these sort of um, actions that happen, and then where you might go back and revisit those and, and, and work on the painting in another way. Mm -hmm. Are you painting on the ground and then having the painting, putting it on the wall and then working on it again, or or is yeah, it yeah. always on the ground? Oh, I'm. I, I, I no, I start on the wall, put it on the floor, go back on the wall, and sometimes back on the floor, back and forth. Mm -hmm. so, so until I get the right 
sort of, or, or the right image that I like. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, image is not the right word because, it, like in Malopanti, he told, the image is something else than something that becomes or, or, or in the creation of doing it. So it has to do with you are not trying to make an image, you're trying to replicate the creation of every existence or, or every living form in a sense. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's two aspects that I wanna point out as the spectator. One is that you're a very skilled painter, artist. You've been painting for probably your whole life. And mm -hmm. you know you can paint portraits, you can paint landscapes. You know you you're very you're very skilled at what you're doing. So you can choose how you want to interpret what paint you're laying down, or or how you want to um, manipulate the oil or the turpentine or any other medium that you add to the paint. So this isn't just you setting out and and by happenstance just things are happening. You have an inherent knowledge of painting for sure, just like mm -hmm. William de Kooning um, mm -hmm. and other artists. Um, and secondly, this project is related to the heart and okay. you have some experience that is relative to the heart. Mm -hmm. And you're also interviewing professionals related to the heart. So I think that you're encompassing all of this information, experience, um, sensory, and then taking that to your field and studio practice to create these works. Am I mm -hmm. correct? Yes, this is correct. Uh, the interesting thing actually is that before I got a heart failure, which drove me to handle my interest in taking the heart specifically in that sense into my artwork was that a, a, a friend of mine who is a heart, heart surgeon, mm -hmm. he, uh, when, I was, when I was doing uh, uh, the series Tenebrous Flesh, mm -hmm. it reminded him very much of his work when he was, uh, doing surgery on people. Mm -hmm. So he invited me to be present in a, a, in a surgery. Mm -hmm. So that, that was before I got, had my heart failure. So- Sorry, you had heart failure. <laughs> so for me to see a body opened up and see the, the heart, taking there in an in a open chest, that just blew me away. And I, I thought, what is it that, what is, what is the magic that create, what, that lets the heart tick? What, what is the, and the energy? And I've I started to think though, where is our consciousness? Is it in our head or in our heart? And what, what if you are, fixing your heart or doing something with it or replacing it. Where, where is you in that? Who is, who, who am I if I, 
am I in my heart or is the, is the consciousness somewhere else or, or is it flowing through the whole body? Is it in the brain or, and things like that. So, those days, so I was fascinated by the, these questions. And uh, so that's why I started to, to work on that. And I got plenty of, when I got into a hospital, they took all kinds of photographs of me or, or x-rays and these measurements and these measurements. And, and I found it interesting and I got all the x-rays and I, I started to work out from them just kind of rendering them like they were on the photographs or, or the prints. And, and then I thought, well, this is not interesting to just reproduce those images. What about my emotion against the image that is the, 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 the machine is taking off my body? So you, get, you see, you get slices of yourself. So you, I have my chest open a little bit. You can see the heart in, in the, and then you can see into the heart and so forth. So it, that kind of interested me, but also how can I combine that with my kind of gestural painting that I'm, and this kind of spontaneity and autonomous painting that I'm used to do. So I started to use, I did a lot of drawings and watercolors of, of, from those images. And then I just took them away. I used them a little bit and started to draw just freehand on the canvas and then paint the forms and then dissolve them into like in my process, dissolve them into something else. So it's almost like the body that is always growing and changing and fluxing into that or this. And probably the cells in you are always changing, dying or, or, or reproducing itself or, or, and things like that. So that it was this. So I wanted to get that feeling into, but still contain the idea of the heart. So, in the paintings uh, to resemble the body a little bit or the opening up of the body, I do a, uh, a big gesture of uh, these wrath. Uh, do you call it wrath? Like a, a, a round or yeah, I have like these gestures that are on the edge on the canvas mm -hmm. and creates kind of uh, uh, space within that. Okay. Which is, which is like inside your chest. Okay. So, so that's the, the kind of uh, uh, reoccurring theme in, in the paintings. And in within that realm, you have like a, a certain kind of center and uh, like tissues or, or flesh or, or resembling yeah. flesh and, and the nervous system or mm -hmm. what you have. So yeah, so still this uh, process that you are not sure what is happening next time, that mm -hmm. always is a key for me to be interested in, in paintings. So it has to be like jumping into certain uncertainty. And what, what was interesting that in the interview with the 
the heart surgeon was that he, he told me when he goes into a heart surgery, even though they have measured and calculated as much as they can with all these equipments, computers and stuff like that, measuring the, measuring the body or mm -hmm. analyzing it to death, always when he is opening the body, there is always a, a journey of uncertainty. Okay. So, so he he has to, he call, call it calls it the Smith side, or you have to have a, 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 a notion of there is always something that the machine does not see, mm -hmm. and every human being is very different from the next, even though okay. we are very similar. There is always something that is individual or, or very specific. So the, I found that very interesting. And I, I thought, well, that, this is kind of like, uh, if it, so he has to rely on his feeling and his sensibility in his work, not just his rationality, even right. though the rationality is in certain part, but still it has to be also the sensibility of what he is doing. And there I find it kind of close to how I think about aesthetics. So it has to do with sensibility of certain things and how, how they affect us, how they appear and their appearance affect us and, and how they affect our emotion rather than calculation. Mm -hmm. This is actually connected to Marlowe Ponty too, that was yeah. saying that science is relying too much on the measurement of the world instead of living the world. Right, right, right. Um, does that explain it a little bit? Yeah, it, it certainly does. Um, I'm just thinking about when you're explaining all that, I sort of have this visual again, sequence of you painting. And I'm wondering, again, with all the information that you've gathered from these professionals and what you know, and your experience with the heart failure and being in the hospital and everything else, um, and all the previous paintings that you did, the two, um, the series that you did, Tuberous Flesh, um, that when you're painting, it's almost like, you know, I visualize you closing your eyes and just entering that world within your, within your being, whatever, like you said, where is it, you know, where is it, is it in your, obviously it's, it's in your chest because you're talking about the heart, but where is it all coming from you know and and i can see you in there i can visualize you in this space with a flashlight you know you walking through the painting trying you know discovering your findings yeah, discovering. yeah. that's yeah that, yeah in a sense it is like for me the process is about not controlling it so much, but discovering and adding to it and playing with it. Yeah. And, and uh, 
that's a very important part of it. It's this kind of open yourself up for the possibilities that the paint is giving you. Mm -hmm. And in the autonomous app, you are you have to trust just your gesture. You you're not. I'm going to do this correctly or anything like that. You just have to trust. Well, okay, I place it somewhere there, but still, I get it into just a really big stroke or of something that can do can all kinds of things can happen within that stroke. So it's in that momentum that uh, something happens that I'm not in control of and then uh, in, in, the, in the materials playing with that. Mm -hmm. And then I can add to that and create it with colors and combining it. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you find that, um, I mean, first, first off, you felt compelled to, to get these interviews from people these professionals, mm -hmm. um, and you felt like that was a necessary part of this series. And what I really like about you is that you do do that, and you and you're always thinking about these sort of intellectual ideas or concepts or philosophy um, to think about to bounce off of. Yeah, yeah. Work. yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, and uh, uh, I read quite a lot, uh, especially philosophy, I think, uh, and, uh, and aesthetics. I'm, I'm interested in, well, and, and this process has to do with where, what is aesthetics and, and trying to kind of get a grab on that. Well, so I was talking to a heart surgeon, I was talking to a psychiatrist, uh, art historian, philosopher, uh, priest, uh, and uh, and so forth. So just to kind of get a grip on where, when we talk about beauty or sublime, what are we talking about? And because the, we have a hard time rationalizing it, because it lies kind of between rationality and emotion that we cannot in some ways we cannot comprehend. So that's kind of what, what, what this project is all about. And also it was interesting to me because I have rarely seen, I think, that an artist is taking an interview with somebody else. It's rather that somebody else is taking an interview with the artist when, when you have art projects. Mm -hmm. So so it's it's the perspective from what perspective are you seeing this or that mm -hmm. so that's why so that's why it fascinated me to ask people from those fields what is consciousness uh, how do we do we need to be conscious of something how is the relationship between aesthetics and consciousness and mm -hmm. so forth what is the subject and object relationships and mm -hmm. and all that Mm -hmm. which is actually also a very strong part of painting, I think, is the relationship between subject and objectivity. Because uh, for me, painting is not just an object, but it's still not uh, a window into a, another space. So 
the kind of Cartesian window from the Renaissance or from where you go, where the painting is, a window into a certain situation or, 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 or you have figures in it that are, are in certain choreography. Uh, that's a, a different painting from maybe Frank Stella, who talks about painting as an there is nothing behind the canvas. It's just there in this field. And it's a, actually a design on the field with color and surface. Mm -hmm. So that's where the embodiment for me is interesting because it's actually very important to me in the artwork that it's my body that is acting up on the surface. So, and the, and the painting is a result of that acting up on it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a believer that your energy is probably is also on the canvas too. Yeah, which is probably how and and that's what I thought about with, with the heart. I mean, the the energy that comes must drive our consciousness. We wouldn't be conscious if we would not be alive. So, so it's like. Uh, if we take uh, like the quarrel between when Schopenhauer comes, comes with the idea of the will, that the, the will, the, the, the longing and the, 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 the need to want to do something is more important than reason. It's interesting because actually it is because we put reason on top of our longing. Mm -hmm. We reason our longing and our desires and things like that, mm -hmm. I believe. So mm -hmm. we have, first we have the desire just to, and that's kind of the feeling I got when I saw that heart open there. It just had the need to take on and live. Mm -hmm. And there is something sublime about that. Yeah, there is, there is. Um, and when I wonder about the intention, why do you want why do you want to live? <laughs> of course they want to live. <laughs> to experience another painting. I mean, no, that, no, I mean, why does the heart want to live? No, I, like, no, yeah. no, I know, but, but it is functioning. It is, it is, yeah, I mean, okay, I have my own theories about that. But I can't, yeah. I can't help, you know, the paintings are in the background. You're, you're talk, we're in your studio. And, you know, we're both on Zoom and we're, we're doing this podcast, but, you know, I see the paintings behind me and um, we'll get to that. I'm so longing to see what, what they look like. I've been watching them on social media develop and for the spectator, they are quite an amazing experience. Um, just, you know, I can't wait to come to Iceland and see them in person. Um, they're large. But before I do, in our conversations, you mentioned that you've been reading a book um, about from Deleuze about um, logic of sensation. Mm -hmm. And so I started, I did a little bit of research about that. And I read that there were two things which experienced the viewing of a painting. And one is the abstract form which affects the head and the brain. The second is the figure which Suzanne labels the sensation. And this mm -hmm. sensation is the form 
which interacts immediately upon the nervous system, which is the flesh. Yeah. Uh, Francis Bacon has, uh, I've been a, a fan of his for as long as I remember, uh, before de Kooning, actually. I got into de Kooning later on, or uh, not later on, but I was so young when I was uh, st uh, starting to look at paintings and painting myself. So Francis Bacon one, was one of those guys. Mm. And uh, well, in this book, I find it interesting because he, uh, he is talking about that field that, that separates the, the, the flesh or the human figure. But he also talks about uh, the flesh being a nervous system. Being and he talks about the body without organs. I think he is talking about without organization or without eyes or, or, or something like that. Sometimes it's a mouth or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but the body is always in, in a, a tension within itself, in an isolated field that is maybe illustrated in a little terms with, with these kind of cubicles or, or lines, parallel lines that he puts onto the canvas and this kind of round area or, or almost like a pedestal or like a, a boxing field or something like that. So he is stating uh, the, action, the, the interaction of the human being without and uh, or without or without eyes or without uh, or anything like that, but more like the, the just muscle nervous system of the human being and its inner tension and how it is locked within that field. But once to and he in one one chapter he talks about how it tries to emerge into the field, which is very separated from the the fleshiness by the scream or vomiting or, or excavating or things like that, very primal functions of the body. Mm -hmm. So it, it's almost like a Beckettian novel. It's very much about just human existence in its very primal form. Mm -hmm. so, and this kind of very intense isolation of the figures, I like that very much, even though I don't paint, and it's very different from paint like that, and I, it's very different from the Kunis that I, which where the canvas is becoming a one flesh. Mm -hmm. And in Francis Bacon, it's the intention between the background and the foreground that is very strong in its work, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. What do you take this into, what do you take from this into your own work? Uh, yeah, like I said, it, uh, what I take uh, from, from Francis Bacon work, you mean? Uh, yeah, what, 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 how is any of that relative to what you're what doing about the heart? Uh, I think it has to do with uh, that you are basically always dealing with yourself as an individual within in the process of painting. But through, because you, the only thing you have is actually yourself and your perception, because you can never be anybody else. But so 
like Francis Bacon, he's sitting in his studio or always dealing with the same subject or the figure on the background. Mm -hmm. And he is actually dealing with himself, I think. Self, I think. So it's kind of into individualistic in us or narcissistic can be, but still you 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 are you are also your surroundings and the surroundings are you. Mm -hmm. so, so you bring that into it into a play and then you mm -hmm. force it out. Mm -hmm. So that kind of I think this kind of existential the existential agony of the paintings of Francis Bacon is probably what I relate mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they they have that exhibition right now of, of his studio. Yeah. And the, the dust and the re the recreation of his studio is quite profound mm -hmm. and talking about somebody uh, and seeing somebody who is living his space and and it, and it interested it always interests me how messy his studio was and how clean his paintings were actually it's <laughs> a very, very interesting point yeah that is true well well how how does that how does it prepare you for your work uh, you mean Francis Bacon? Well, how do I prepare myself for my work? Or? Yeah, how do you prepare yourself before you start painting? Um, when when it's you know time to enter the studio, and you're going to get to work on these heart paintings, um, what do you what, what do, do you, you tell yourself? How do you psych yourself up to to begin? I sit for a while and look at it quite a lot and I get just into the mood of it. And I, I use music a lot. So I kind of, I use music to fill the space with that. So, uh, so that's a big part, just to get the atmosphere and just the feeling of it. And uh, so I would say that would be a strong, big part of my approach to it. What are you listening so, to right now? listening okay. to right now i mean uh, i mean not not this moment but when you say you use music i know you like opera um yeah, i know you like you know music that has a lot of uh volume not just physical volume but a lot of life to it are, are you listening to anything like that yeah very much uh, like you know i'm a big wagner fan but also lately i've been listening to penderecki uh, uh Polish composer, mm -hmm. I, I like him quite a lot. So I'm always in this kind of very dramatic and loud music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. It's That's not good. very, very different from a very meditative music. I, I don't listen to that when I paint. It's, right. it's very big sound and, uh, and I like it if it is complicated and rather aggressive mm -hmm. and right now yeah I, I can see i can understand that right now um i'm yeah. terrible by that <laughs> no i think i think it's I, I think it helps you and it prepares you if whatever whatever works you know and so what is right now um you're on your third painting is that correct no i'm actually on my fifth and sixth Oh, okay, fifth and sixth. Okay, and so, 
what is the duration of time that you find yourself spending and working on these like in a day do, do you do you work in like for an hour and, and break or do you find yourself working for a few hours or you know do you do you really get really absorbed into again into Merleau-Ponty the 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 whole I won't say act but you're is it hard to break away once yeah, you're in yeah. there yeah yeah so for me it's a whole day rather mm -hmm. or, or like six seven eight hours or something like that yeah that's what i figured yeah, yeah. it's not i it's it's not one hour i could just right right forget that right because i have to just get into it uh-huh especially in big paintings and just in my studio practice i again i have to live my studio to mm -hmm. do my work I, I just cannot go there like in an office or, or, or just mm -hmm. now i have to do this mm -hmm. uh, and uh, mm -hmm. for an hour and i can i can finish this figure in the painting in this hour and then i can come back it's not like that it's for me it's Mm -hmm. a total involvement while i'm doing it i understand i i completely i i can only imagine that honestly for you okay so one of the last questions and i really didn't prepare this question for you but because you teach a master class mm -hmm. how do you do you how do you prepare your students for this sort of uh ethic studio ethic do are are they interested i mean obviously each student that comes into your master class i know this because i've asked you this before you assist students in their own regime um how, mm -hmm. what they're what what they want to get out of it you're not you're not a factory you're not turning them into you no but but you must have and you have to guide them obviously um to to get where they where they want to go each artist needs to find their own truth and and get their own map to get there and you're you're simply helping them um guiding them and but there is a certain amount of depth in what you're explaining in your own practice has anybody asked you well i want to do that too how do i do it Yes, many times. Yeah, <laughs> and there you can't teach them that. No, you cannot teach them that, but you can teach them. I mean, you can teach them certain kind of techniques, but I always explain to them that the techniques has to come with your understanding or, or well, your emotion about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. so, so it has nothing to do with learning tricks and traits. Uh, it has to do with involvement with what you're doing and and so this subject that or or whatever you're painting the subject matter if it is uh, figurative or landscape or abstract uh, for me it's important for them to understand what they are doing and what 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 their goal is for what one what do they want to get out of the painting mm -hmm. or, or or practicing painting Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you have, 
I have people in, on many levels and I try to approach them just from their standpoint, where they are and what they want. So some people like to just do still lives or mm-hmm. things like that. So I help them do that, but still do it your way to, to a degree, learn from some other aspects, other painters, but still make it yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So create your own way of uh, just the way of using palette, the way of just your paint handling. So everybody has their own touch, and it's actually amazing that everybody has their own certain kind of palette, a color palette that they kind of gravitate to. Some people use more of this color combination and others others so I just help them to develop that mm-hmm. or still hold on to that which is kind of inherent in themselves in themselves mm-hmm. and in the beginning uh, I start reading actually uh, philosophy on aesthetics or some art theory uh, in the morning just to get them started to think in what kind of context they're working when they're becoming artists. Uh, uh, when I talk about context, you have the context of your society, you have the context of the art world that is around you, but you have also the context of art history mm-hmm. and theory and just history in general and uh, philosophy other things, so mm-hmm. which I think is very parallel. The idea, the kind of history of philosophy and art is very, I think, parallel in in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Lastly, um, before we close, do you want to describe? And right now, we're we're going to do a different we're going to do a different interview to actually share a video of the works, but just for this audio um, podcast, do you want to describe your journey so far in painting five and six of the series of the heart? Uh, Well, actually, yeah, I would say, uh, uh, what can I say? Uh, The first one, I started, took the most time just to, uh, like usually, just to get into the approach that I I was kind of felt good about. And uh, so I did uh, two paintings that were kind of in a certain way or a certain color field and, uh, and certain density in, in tone and things like that. And the third one was very dark and gloomy and more space to it. Mm-hmm. And the last two ones are becoming very light and bright, <laughs> very pink and yellow. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what, and that's just, I have no idea why. It mm-hmm. Just they grew, grew like that. It just, mm-hmm. And of course, I, I know, but I don't know because yeah. I decided, of course, on the color, but still, 
I try to follow what I've, seems to be happening. That's why this, this, uh, this uh, approach of letting the material play with themselves and create the fields or the, or the what do you call slight uh, whales of colors? Yeah. Uh, is it whales, like, like a silk whale or a wheel? Layers? Layers, yeah, or, or transparent layers or, or uh -huh. things like that. So, uh -huh. yeah. And I, I just let the paintings just evolve and kind of react on that. And they... Okay. So it has nothing to do with deciding beforehand, I'm going to do a blue painting or I'm going to do a green painting or I'm going to do that it just happens in the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How they mm -hmm. You have your, your color palette, you have your box or palette of paints. I actually work very much from a, a, a rather limited color and palette. And uh, what I teach is very, it, uh, it's important for me when I'm teaching uh, is, the, uh, is the palette itself, the blending of the colors. Mm. Uh, and that you can actually get most of colors out of very few colors, primary colors, maybe mm -hmm. some earth tones, but mainly primary colors, maybe two or three of each, three or four maybe of blue and two, three of red and two, three of yellow at mm -hmm. the most. Mm -hmm. So from that, uh, for me, you start to, you mix, all the other colors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Wonderful. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to share about your process so far? Is there uh, a title? Is there a title for these the series yet? Like a formal title? Uh, the title is actually hard, uh, and the book uh, would be, I think, in English. What was it? Uh, part the yeah, aesthetics uh, and study of consciousness of uh, body consciousness. Okay, so you're working on a book. Yeah, but the um, I had a show, and I came up uh, this summer, and I came up with a title that I might use for this too which is kind of hard to translate. I have to figure out how I translate, but it has to do with mind and flesh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wonderful. I look forward to um, more of this in the, in the video aspect of this conversation where we can actually get into the, the paintings and explore them visually now that we have the, the background, the sort of um, intellectual and aesthetic side of where you were heading um, okay. in this open field, this, this open territory. <laughs> you, now we've got the map open, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, we've got the map open. I, I would like to read for, from you, uh, from yes, I uh, just in, in the, as a closure. Yes, please. Okay. Here he says, uh, the painter vision is not a view up on the outside, 
a merely physical optical relation with the world, the world no longer stands before him through representation. Rather, it is the painter to whom the things of the world give birth by a sort of concentration or coming to itself of the visible. Ultimately, the painting relates to nothing at all among the experienced things unless it first of all out first of all outfigurative. It is a spectacle of something only by being a spectacle of nothing by breaking the skin of things. Mm, yeah, that's incredible. And who wrote that? That's Marlo Ponti in I and Mind. Mm, no, yeah. I, like that. I relate to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like you're a master magician of, of nothing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Oh, that's so brilliant. Um, thank you so much for, for joining me today and sharing your progress and this project. Um, it's such a great honor to speak to you and, and just understand what you're doing. It's, you know, for me, it's, it's so important. And this is like, this is like food for me. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just so so necessary it's just really really amazing thank you very much victoria and thank same you. wise thank you very much and thank you so, it was great to see you great bye-bye